Good morning. This morning we're going to talk a little bit more about the freedom teachings of the Buddha, and Chaz will also this afternoon be continuing that uh, thread. The kind of insights that insight meditation is uh, pointing towards. One of the things that entertains me in this world is to find instances of what I call the anti-dharma out there, and uh, it's often in commercials, advertisements. Uh, And here's one that I saw recently. So a person is uh, in a car, and there's this vista of mountains and beauty and all in front of them, and uh, they turn on the car, and the voiceover says, this is what freedom sounds like. (laughs) And then they put an air freshener in the car, (laughs) and they say, this is what freedom smells like. (laughs) And it's probably an effective advertisement because it plays on... um, our basic human hope and our actual strategy that we usually use for happiness, which is get away from what's unpleasant, so have that freedom to just get away from what we don't like or don't find pleasant, find unpleasant, and to try to make everything pleasant, to cover up anything unpleasant with pleasant and uh, maximize our pleasant... um, sensation quotient. <laughs> so we pretty, pretty, think, pretty up everything and then just try to get away from the difficult. In Buddhism, freedom, we have a different idea of freedom. Freedom is the ability to fully inhabit here and now in all of its unpleasantness and pleasantness. So it's really about embracing all of life So we don't need to escape, and we don't need to control, we don't need to pretty up. We're able to be with this wild human life. 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. So we talked about the four foundations of mindfulness. The first foundation is the body. Uh, The third foundation is mind states. We also talked about that in the talks and in um, the instructions. The fourth foundation is all all the kind of ways that we understand uh, the world in Buddhism, kind of the wisdom foundation, and we've been talking about that. We haven't talked yet about the second foundation. So the second foundation, our place that we put our mindfulness, is called feeling tone. And feeling tone is that first impression of any moment of sense contact whether it lands in that moment as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So feeling tone is the pleasantness, unpleasantness, or neutrality, that effective tone of a moment of contact. So our life is these successive moments of sense contact, of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling the body, cognizing. And each one of these moments has this kind of effective quality. It lands on us as unpleasant, pleasant, or neutral. Mostly, we live our lives controlled by our reactivity to unpleasant, pleasant, and neutral. So something lands as unpleasant, a moment lands as unpleasant, and we automatically hate it, aversion, want to get rid of it, so we you know, brace against it. A moment lands as pleasant, and we like want to keep it, we grasp at it, we try to hold on it, we contract around it. A moment lands as neutral, and we're like, not interested, space out, not important. It's not very free because we're controlled. We're controlled by our own reactivity. 
And Buddhism, we start to look at this feeling tone. It's considered a crucial um, juncture where when we bring mindfulness, we start to have some choice. We start to have some freedom. So maybe a moment of pleasantness can arise. We can be with it, enjoy it, and we don't have to try to hold on. Maybe a moment of unpleasantness can arise and we can be with it and not have to try to push it away. Maybe a moment of neutral can arise and we can be connected, don't have to disconnect. We can just be there. So this is what we explore. So at first, unpleasant and aversion seem married, like there's no gap there. If something's unpleasant, we notice aversion, we don't feel like there's any gap. Something's pleasant, we want to keep it, there's no gap. But we start to be able, by exploring the feeling tone, to create some sense of a gap between those two, that they don't have to go together. I remember the first moment that I saw this in my own practice. I was sitting right back there, (laughs) and um, I was having what I thought was a pretty good meditation. I was concentrated, I was feeling good. And then they started mowing the lawn out there. And um, my mind went into reactivity. I was like, why are they mowing the lawn during a sitting period? Why can't they walk and mow, mow the lawn during walking periods? I was having a good sitting, and now I'm not having good sitting. And drama, right? All this drama, aversion. And I got interested. I'm like, what is happening here? I was like, oh, hearing is happening. It's unpleasant. So I'm getting all dramatic about it and trying to get rid of it, right? I was hoping if I hated it enough, it would go away. And then I was like, huh, hearing, unpleasant. Maybe we can just stop right there. Maybe we don't need to add on all the rest. And it was like my first real understanding that, that, we don't, uh, that unpleasant doesn't have to be followed by aversion. And so it was the mindfulness of the unpleasantness of it that helped create that gap and gave me more choice. Right? So this is what we explore. There's the actual sense experience, in this case hearing. There's a feeling tone, in this case unpleasant. And there's a response. Perhaps reactivity perhaps wanting, not wanting, grasping, aversion, or perhaps what we call equanimity. Just like, oh, this is the way things are right now. I can just be with that. So let's say you're sitting and you keep going back to the same fantasy in your mind, something fantastic that you're going to do after retreat. So there's a sense contact, the thought. It's pleasant. And you're being controlled by that. Keep going, right? You keep going for it, trying to hold on to that great thought about what you're going to do when you get out of here. Can you notice that it's just pleasant? That's all that's happening. There's a thought. It's pleasant. And so you're hanging on. Can you just notice thinking? Pleasant. Maybe it can stop there. So it's not about forcing. You can't force this. It's about being curious and investigating how feeling tone is the link that can cause suffering or the link that can give us choice and freedom. And so we start to understand... um, that it's okay that pleasantness arises and passes away. And we start to understand that we can tolerate unpleasantness, that it's okay. And we start to understand, actually, that neutral is worthy of our attention. And so you can see how our, our, our experience of life is broadened and widened by this 
ability to land with what's happening without having to control it, manage, manage it, and get all dramatic. <laughs> now, all that said, sometimes when something's unpleasant, it is correct to response, <laughs> to respond, you know. And sometimes when something's pleasant, yeah, you do move towards it. You know, you try to create a life that's basically pleasant. That's okay. Um, but, but with this exploration, it's like we have a choice. We don't have to go running after every pleasant thing that comes along because sometimes they're not healthy for us. And we don't have to get rid of every unpleasant thing that comes along because, wow, we're going to be restless if we live life like that. So we're just adding in choice and flexibility and freedom to then um, respond appropriately and in the wisest and healthiest and sanest manner to this flow of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral that is our life. So that's enough talking, I think. Yeah. Why don't we settle into our posture? Yeah, I heard a couple of deep breaths or sighs. That's great, allowing you to just uh, come down into this human body sitting here. Maybe a couple deep breaths help us to settle. And also making sure that our posture has dignity and enthusiasm in it, this balance between ease and enthusiasm. We want both. And whatever way you've started to find that helps you to come here with this full-hearted effort, ardent effort, balanced effort, enthusiastic effort, easeful effort. Some people like a body scan, just inviting relaxation as we drop down through the body. Some people find a few moments of metta is a helpful way to start the sitting. It brings the right balance of effort. Whatever helps you to settle arrive, feel energized for the session. Some people might reflect for a moment on their own confidence and strength and the deep wish that brought us to practice that might be energizing, help us to have this wish to engage. And eventually we can allow the attention to settle with the primary object, or you could say we could let the breath call the attention or the body and hands call the attention. Don't have to use too much effort here. That receptive kind of awareness, just receiving the breath are receiving the sensations of the body and the hands or the feet. 
Life will come to you. You don't have to work hard for this connection to happen. Life is right here. And then this tool of the anchor, it's to help with stability, but it's not the goal. The goal is this wakefulness with whatever is arising. So perhaps we hear a sound. Hearing is happening. Maybe see images, seeing is happening. Think a thought. Thought is thinking is happening. Feel body sensations. Sensing is happening. Feel an emotion. Emotion is happening present. None of this is a problem. It's just this wild human life. It's just nature. So we connect. Our awareness connects with these different arising experiences. something sticks around, we can hang out with it for a while. So if there's a body sensation sticking around, we can, if there's energy, move closer and see what's really happening beyond our ideas of what's happening. Relax into it. What is the nature of body sensation? It's alive. It moves. It changes. comes and goes. An emotion is present. What is the nature of this emotion? How is it in the body? How does it manifest? Maybe notice certain thoughts come with it. We see that it's alive, it moves, it waxes and wanes. Maybe it ends. I mean, it will end at some point, but maybe it ends while you're being with it. Always have this anchor to come back to this home base, when we lose interest or feel scattered or maybe a lot of reactivity, it's like, oh yeah, we have this refuge. And then feeling tone is all about our relationship to what is happening. So if something feels sticky, there's, there's reactivity or tension or contraction, then it might be a great time to do this exploration of feeling tone. So let's say a body sensation, it's unpleasant and you find the mind is rather turbulent around it. You can notice what are the sensations, see if you can rest with the actual sensations, whether it's burning, stinging, pulling, aching, stabbing, throbbing. And then can you rest for a moment in the unpleasantness? It's like, oh, unpleasant, unpleasant. And then what happens next? Does the mind go, oh, hate it, don't want, don't want this, don't like it, go away? Or does 
there appear maybe a second or two where the heart-mind is like, oh, this is the way things are right now. It's okay. Equanimity. No right answer. And you can move your attention between these three things, the sensation, the feeling tone, and the response. It's a lot of words. Hopefully the exploration can be a little more simple than all these words. Just right there. And if it gets all crazy and you're thinking about it too much or you're not interested or the sensation ends, then we can come back to our home base, regroup. Or let's say there's an emotion present and it's pleasant. Let's say there's some joy, joy is present. So you can notice that experience. How do you feel it in the body and the mind? Notice that it's pleasant, the pleasantness. And then what's the response? Is, is there does some tension creep in trying to make it stay? Not wanting it to leave or end. That's the reactivity around pleasantness. Or is it possible to just be with it and enjoy it and know that it will end and that's okay? Equanimity. No right answer. Or perhaps experience is neutral. We find that we kind of go off into thought. We're not so interested. Perhaps our anchor is neutral. We can notice all this experience is neutral, feels neutral. What's it like to show up for neutral experience? Can I be here with it? Equanimity. Or do I just not interested space out? The breath, neutral response. Anyway, don't do it too much because you'll spend the whole period trying to figure this out. I would reserve it mostly for when there's um, a sense of struggle with something. So that's most likely when it's pleasant or unpleasant. And then you can notice the actual experience, the feeling tone, and the response. Playing around, curious, investigating, working out our own freedom.
So we have uh, some time now if you have any observations or questions around feeling tone or anything else that's going on in your practice. Yes. I'm wondering if you can use metta as an anchor. Yeah. So the question was about using metta as an anchor. Um, metta, yeah, when you do metta meditation, metta is an anchor. Like, right, it's what you keep coming back to, right? So it's your primary object, you could say metta. Did you mean like um, during the Vipassana sittings or? The Vipassana meditation and the metta meditation are very different. And so to try to use metta as an anchor during Vipassana, it kind of contradicts Vipassana. Vipassana is, is being with what is as it is and um, learning how we can find our freedom in this world of change. Metta is very directive. You're trying to actually point towards some experience. So I think in general it, it might kind of clash. But you can bring the flavor of metta into your Vipassana practice. So when we meet experience with awareness, can that awareness have the flavor of friendliness? So that's a way that it can um, definitely be included. So you wouldn't recommend, like, if I notice, so I was lost in thought, and I wake up, and I'll give myself, I'll, I'll, I'll say a few meta phrases to sort of come back. Yeah, so the question was, lost in thought, come back, use a few um, meta phrases to help reestablish. Um, it's all about what seems skillful. So that might be um, just fine. It helps you come back to your Vipassana practice and to your anchor. Yeah. Um, I, anybody, we could answer that question anyway. I tend to go towards simplicity, but if you need the kindness in order to reconnect without kind of like beating yourself up or being lost in thought, that can be really helpful. Does anybody want to add anything to that? Any other thoughts? One reason to um, keep the anchor for the Vipassana practice is like body or breath or whatever and not something that we bring in. Um, Besides what Rebecca was saying is that like this morning's instructions, you know, we can investigate with our anchor. And so, but if we're doing something like bringing the metta phrases in, then we can't really actually do the Vipassana practice with that. So, just one kind of argument for keeping that. But I like, I like what you said, Rebecca, about like, wow, if we're, if we're um, beating ourselves up and then a couple metta phrases could like soften that, that would be, yeah, that would be skillful. So kind of a maybe answer. <laughs> what's skillful? You know, what, what's skillful in the moment? Yeah, over here. Right, right. So the question was that noticing that the tension seems to be somewhat up here, not so much in the body, but feeling present, knowing what's going on. So yeah, great, you know what's going on. Um, I think we tend, many of us, to live kind of somewhere around here. So just seeing your deeply ingrained way of living, right? And noticing that. And then... um, you can play around with, is there some way to connect with the body that feels, I'm going to even say feels safe, because sometimes we hang out around here because the body doesn't always feel safe to us. 
And so maybe our hands, maybe the hands feel like a place that isn't like too, doesn't bring up too much involvement, (laughs) or the bottoms of the feet. And um, you can just play around with touching in sometimes to that. uh, We want some embodied neutral. We want something that's fairly neutral. Um, But I think it sounds like you're you're paying attention to your experience, which is really what we most want. And um, it's not a problem. You're just uh, exploring other ways of being. And what we see is our habitual ways of being. And that's all mindfulness. That's all awareness. Yeah, does that sound like a possibility? Maybe just, yeah, finding the neutral place where just touching every once in a while. You don't have to, like, be there all the time. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, back here. You, yeah. Um, I've been noticing a lot of overthinking whether I'm, whether I'm actually being mindful or whether I'm, you know, I don't know, like, kind of a lot of doubt coming up. Are you able to name it as doubt? Oh, oh, the question was lots of thinking and doubt. Questions like, am I really present? Um, are you able to name that as um, doubt? Yeah. Okay. And, um, I mean, sometimes I start to believe it. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can name that as doubt, I'd say you're doing really well. <laughs> because doubt's so slippery. It's easy to miss it. It kind of convinces us to right, go off into the thoughts and... Um, sometimes it's called skeptical doubt and it's this mind that kind of maybe overanalyzes like you were saying it'd be like "Ah, I don't know about that and kind of maybe I can figure it all out in my mind if we're one of these people who likes to figure everything out in our minds and kind of yeah turn it all over our secret wish is that that's what's going to make us safe and happy so Dropping those thoughts and coming back to an anchor is an act of courage. Really, it's like, it's like wow, I might risk <laughs> just for a few minutes to actually be with my embodied experience and give up the refuge and the hope that I will figure it all out. Does that sound like Kind of right. <laughs> so yeah, it, and you know, and again, we're seeing our deep habits. You're gonna go off into speculative doubt, and and that's all right. You'll wake up. You wake up at some point. And you go, oh yeah, thinking, oh doubting, huh? Can I let that go? Maybe yes, maybe no. <laughs> but can I let that go and come back to something really simple, uncomplicated, like breathing? Are the body sitting, hands touching? For certain, it's like we all have kind of somewhat different tendencies, though we're all human, we share all the tendencies. For certain temperaments, it, it's, it takes a lot of courage to let go of thinking. I, 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 me, as an aversive uh, a personality type, I'm really happy to let go of thinking because <laughs> most of my thinking is really unpleasant, right? So, but other types, it, it's like a different kind of relationship. Yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah, one more. Um, is the primary object with Vedana like you, you just you put it in one of the buckets and you're looking at the space in between, or is it like feeling where you are on the spectrum of unpleasantness? So the question was, is the primary anchor with feeling tone, is it like trying to see the gap, or is it seeing whether the feeling tone is pleasant or unpleasant, or very unpleasant, very pleasant? Yeah. I think the primary anchor would be whatever is the truth of the moment, so pleasant or unpleasant or very pleasant or very unpleasant, um, then we can take that and see 
what is the response in the heart-mind to the feeling tone. That's kind of what we're interested in. So with, with um, Vipassana meditation, we have our, our primary anchor, but then we also investigate experience, which means that we, it means we track it, actually. It's a kind of tracking the process, tracking the unfolding of how um, reality presents itself. So it's not investigation so much thinking about, though thinking might be involved a little bit. So when you notice unpleasantness, for example, then what happens? Is that the end of the story and, and you're fine with the unpleasantness? Or is does the mind go, oh, I hate this and I don't want it and it's got to go away? And there's no right answer, but in exploring and moving between, moving between the actual experience the feeling tone and the response, as we move, the possibility of a gap opens up. But we can't make that happen, and you would even say we're not exactly trying to make that happen. We're trying to create the circumstances where that might happen. Does that make sense? I think so. I, I guess when, when things are hovering around neutral so that there is more of a gap, mm. the thing that's more interesting is that change yeah. the feeling tone rather than the like keep an eye out for the reactivity cool yeah so what uh, they're noticing is the um, that feeling tone changes that that is insight that, that our lives are a series of changing in uh, feeling tones basically and that we're like ping pong balls because of that <laughs> but as we can develop the equanimity we can just be with it. It sounds like you actually have some equanimity that you're with. <laughs> you're with neutral, and then maybe it slides into unpleasantness, and you're able to just be with that and notice it. So, yeah, neutral's pretty cool because it actually gives us the possibility, um, because it's not so reactive. It gives us the possibility to understand maybe a little more what peace is or what equanimity is. It's a it's a cool place to kind of notice that. I would love question, more questions, but it is getting a little late. Um, hopefully in your groups, or we'll have sign-ups today. If, um, just check a little later. Some of the sign-ups might go up around lunchtime, so there will be some in the afternoon also, and hopefully we can answer your questions then. Let's see what else is happening. Groups today, so if you had a group two days ago, you should have a group again today, and we would love, we would like you to show up so that we can just make sure you're okay. And um, this is our last full day of silence. I know that came fast, or maybe like never to some of you, but <laughs> or depending on the moment, fast or never. <laughs> Um, tomorrow we will continue practicing, but we will be opening it up a little bit more for more of your um, connecting with each other. So, um, wow. I know it seems interminable at times, but you're going to, you might miss the silence. <laughs> you might. I can't say you're going to, but you might. Um, and, and this such a beautiful opportunity to really be with our experience. You know, life is so busy. It's like, wow, it's so precious. And to be able to kind of explore our own freedom of heart and mind. So I'm going to encourage you to give it ardent effort. <laughs> ardent from the heart. So if you're wondering for yourself, what does ardent effort mean today? Ask your heart, not your mind. Your mind's going to tell you how it should be. (laughs) Your heart will tell you what you really need. So check in with your heart today around effort and and what's really um, full-hearted effort for you today. It's going to look different for different of us. And the last thing I want to do is just take one moment is it, to uh, do a little walking update.
chest reminded me that the connecting tomorrow is optional. Don't worry, we're not going to make you uh, start talking to each other. Um, so there will be spaces and room to um, stay quieter if you want to. Good point. So if you're finding a walking period interminable and extremely boring, um, I can sympathize. In my early practice, I hated walking meditation. And um, I would do anything to try to make it interesting. I used to walk up and down stairs, walk backwards like anything, like, and I make this interesting. But then I got an instruction that was very helpful, and that was to break the walking period into three parts. So the first part, we're just walking normally, maybe feeling the whole body moving, hips, arms, whatever. Come to the end, standing, feel the turning. So do that for 10, 15 minutes, and then slow it down a little bit. So lifting, placing, lifting, placing, lifting, placing, placing. Do that for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then 10 or 15 minutes of lifting, moving, placing, shifting, like get really minute. And for me, that helped because I only had to pay like 10 or 15 minutes to a certain experience. (laughs) And the change, you know, each one is you're you're paying attention. Like here it's a whole body. Then maybe you're just feeling your legs. And then you're like maybe your feet, right, as you. So, So try that for interest to help keep you interested during the whole period. And if you're feeling like you're outside and you really want to enjoy the outdoors, which is helpful, right? It, when you come to the end and you're standing, you can just take a minute, open up to your senses, hearing, seeing, maybe smelling, and then back down into the walking meditation. So maybe that'll make it more sustainable for those of you who are struggling. And uh, yeah full-hearted, open-hearted engagement with your life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.